1: Hello, everyone. This is Rob Golfy with REMAX, the Golfy team. Welcome to the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton edition with host
2: Rick Zamprin. And you got to call the Golfy team if you want to get your home sold fast for top dollar in this ever changing market. I know I've said that in the past, but. It is changing uh, by the day, it, it appears, and uh, you can call the Golfie team, the number one REMAX team in Canada, by the way, at 905-575-7700. That number again is 905-575-7700. The website is robgolfie.com, rob, G-O-L-F-I.com, and you can follow the Golfie team on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook, a whole host of topics we're going to get to today today. Uh, there, there's so much, I'm not sure where to start. We do have a a really intriguing listener question. We'll get to a little later on in the program, um, in regards to when realtors take vacation, uh, what should the uh, the go forward plan be on that? We'll, we'll dive into that. We'll talk about uh, Royal Bank of Canada saying that sellers are back in the driver's seat. So we've heard that, you know, the the market has been balanced for a while. Well, it, it sounds like sellers have the upper hand once again. We'll also got, get into a new project or a new report that's out from the Smart property institute it's called who will swing the hammer and has some uh, sobering news about what is happening here in hamilton to begin the day though we are going to talk to rob golfy about what is happening in his real estate life what's uh what's your week been like rob it's
1: been uh, it's been busy i've been uh you know looking into uh you know more talk uh into this uh uh shared office space business as uh par- partially to to you know sit um partner up with what my business is doing now and, 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 and and actually owning real estate with it. So the combination is I'm, I'm starting a business to pay for the real estate that I want to buy and, uh, the commercial real estate. So, so in essence, uh, I'm looking for, I'm creating a tenant to, uh, pay for the real estate, the commercial real estate I'm going to buy instead of trying to look for it. I'm going to create it. Hmm. And, uh, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of research on that right now. And, uh, and, it, and it's looking good. I, 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 uh, I'm looking at, at doing uh, this, uh, project uh, that to, to keep buying real estate and just continuing and continuing and buying and buying. And, uh, you know, even I am buying in this, you know, the way the market's going right now. And I, and I know, uh, it, uh, like sometimes it's hard to work the numbers, but I'm going to make it work. So I'm thinking outside the box to make it work instead of uh, and and the the difficulty about buying commercial real estate is that the bank wants to know if you have a tenant. Hmm. Now, if you don't have a tenant, the banks don't give you the money. And So it's just, it's a catch 22. And so I I get it. They want to make sure you have it. So sometimes, so a lot of the times I do is I say, I'm going to be part the half tenant of that building. And, uh, and they'll say, okay, you got one, uh, half a lease. So, so getting mortgages and stuff like that helps uh, a lot because I'll say, I'm going to be the tenant, uh, of the building or half the tenant, be partial tenant of the building. So that makes, uh, uh, it helps a lot. Now, Mm -hmm. not everybody has the advantage of doing that, but sometimes that's how you have to go to sometimes private lending for a year and then go to the conventional mortgages. And that's, and that's, that's, an aspect where it's cost of doing business, but that's how you get ahead. A lot of uh, entrepreneurs use private money to get ahead. And, and I know this one guy, uh, he says all the builders that he deals with, uh, use, uh, private money to, to get going and, and, uh, you know, build their business up. And, and it's just, and it's expensive, but it's, it's the cost of doing business. So that's, that's one aspect of it. Uh, you don't want to use that too often, but if, 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 and I just probably will use the private money for renovations, but use my money to purchase and, uh, and get things rolling on it and, and then just, and then, then refinance it to a point where, hey, I've got my renovations money. I got this. Now I've got it fully rented and then I'm good to go to the next one and I just keep going. Um, with still, you know, building a, a business, but I get to own real estate. You know, the McDonald's theory is, they became, uh, their, their wealth is in their real estate, and uh, they lease out all the uh, property that they uh, have all the McDonald's on. And if you look at the, the uh, documentary on how McDonald's was created, it, it, it he basically won over from the McDonald's brothers by owning the real estate.
2: The The whole tenant, you know, the, the chicken before the egg type uh, debate comes to play because, you know, in, unless you have a tenant, you can't. Buy a space, but if you don't have a tenant, you wouldn't buy the space in the first place. It seems, it seems like a tricky situation. It, it is very tricky, and it's it's difficult.
1: Um, and and I've got an offer on a building right now, and uh, I am going forward with it. And I I'm, I I uh, I don't think I'll have a problem uh, getting financing for the building, but um, but I am creating a business to support the the uh, so that I get rent from that building. So. Basically, uh, I'm, and, and, and the rent that I'm going to create, it'll actually be a, a positive cash flow. Now I can sell that real estate down the road, uh, for a lot more money than what I paid for, or sell the business and I still get the uh, rent coming in. Hmm. Uh, from, from that. So, so basically I'm doing two things. I'm, I'm creating a business and buying commercial real estate and building a portfolio that way.
2: Nice. I'm not sure how much details you want to get into, but is this a real estate related business? It is.
1: Yo, know, uh, it's actually a shared office space. Like, you know how they, uh, they have, uh, uh, you know, remember the, the show we work. I'm not sure if you saw that, uh, Regis, they have all these little shared office space, uh, uh, uh office buildings or anything like that. So let's say one person just has a small business. He just wants to rent out an office Mm -hmm. and he doesn't have anything else. That's what I'm going to be offering is that in these buildings. And, or somebody can, you know, spend 200 bucks a month and and they get access to the, to all the uh, uh, facilities in this uh, office, shared office space. You know, they can meet clients there. They can have their mail go there. They can have, uh, they can work out of there. They don't have a private office, but they do have, access to different cubicles and stuff like that in uh, in the office uh, facility. And, uh, and then other people can have a private office if they want so that they can put a, uh, they can have a key lock on the door so that they can come and go whenever they want. Boardrooms are there. There's, uh, uh, you also can have uh, media rooms if people want to do a podcast room, uh, they can do their podcast there. So it, it's basically facilitating small businesses that aren't ready to go into a full-fledged office. It's it's the, it's basically for the startup people uh, and businesses. And there's a lot of people out there like that. And I remember I did that in, uh, years ago when I was in my in my twenties. Uh, I was I remember I was renting uh, an office uh, on Keeper Court. There was one there uh, that they, it was a shared office space. They had a receptionist at the front, and there was probably I think about twenty offices in there. And then I would I'd be renting one office, and uh, and they would answer my phone. Uh, whatever business I had. So it was pretty it was I mean they were
2: doing this, you know, in the nineties, uh, early nineties. Mm-hmm. So which brings me to and we were going to do this later on in the show, the office vacancy rates. When you look at vacancy rates in downtown Toronto in the first quarter of this year, the vacancy rate for offices was fifteen percent, the highest it's been since nineteen ninety-five. Ottawa's at thirteen percent, Montreal over sixteen percent, Vancouver's about Ten percent. It's thirty percent in places like San Francisco, but those are you know entire you know buildings or or a big big space in a building, maybe two or three or four floors. This would be something a, a little more niche or unique to those um, to those entrepreneurs, as you mentioned.
1: Uh, absolutely, and uh, it, so so what's happening is large companies are downsizing. And taking half as much space. Mm-hmm. So I was actually at the uh, Patterson head office in uh, Mississauga this week, and they used to uh, they occupied two floors. Now they occupy one and a half floor, and half uh, half of the one floor they don't occupy anymore because they didn't need it. A lot of people are working out of their house, yes. um, and so why pay for space they're not using? So if you think about this, this is one company that downsized square footage of office space. Can you imagine thousands and thousands of different companies across Canada doing the same thing? So the vacancy rate is gonna be uh, a lot higher. Like I know uh, uh, the uh, the building that my lawyer is in, I mean, he downsized his office and, and, and they lost actually uh, a, a, a law firm that went to a smaller office in a different building. And they used to take up two floors of a building. Now they're, now they got uh, two empty floors there, they have to chop that up and to try to make it affordable for people to, uh, to move in and, and lease from them. And, and the, the thing is with these buildings, they eh, they've been making so much money for such a long time. Now they're feeling, feeling, uh, the, the pinch. And, uh, some, some of them are not, uh, budging off their price on their lease rate. And it, it's being very difficult. But as time goes on, um, leases are coming up. People aren't renewing the, the square footage they originally, uh, you know, signed up for. And, uh, so, so look, look at Elon Musk. I mean, he was, uh, renting a a building when he took over Twitter and he said to them, Hey, uh, we're not, he stopped paying rent. It's not a good way to go about it. And he says, what are you going to do about it? If you kick me out, (laughs) who are you going to fill this, this building up with? (laughs) Right. And so he renegotiated his, uh, his lease. And, uh, and a lot of people are doing that because um, I, and me, if I was an owner of a big high-rise building and and I have potential to lose uh, a large tenant, I, I would opt to try to negotiate and try to keep that tenant because you don't because your building's worth less if you don't have it fully occupied. So if the guy wants to unload it down the road, uh, he's going to have a hard time getting the price that he wants.
2: Yeah, and the alternative is no money as opposed to at least some money.
1: It, it, absolutely, absolutely. So it it. it it's like anything else, like any like plaza that uh, that you're you know somebody that look is looking at buying even a multi-unit uh, tenancy building if the if the rents are low or or there's not rented it, the value of the building is not going to be as good as if it was fully rented with higher rents.
2: That's a great way to put it. we got lots to talk about on the show this morning. We're going to talk about, well, Rob has a story about a flooded basement and a really sad one at that. We're going to get into a new report from the Smart Property Institute. And it's basically calling for more housing options in the Hamilton, Burlington, Grimsby area. We're going to get into average home prices spiking over the last number of months. Uh, No change in amortization periods, meaning that the housing bubble is apparently going to intensify... And we'll talk about immigration and how it's making unaffordability of housing even worse. That's all to come here on the Golfy Real
0: Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
2: Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfie, Sales Representative, REMAX Scartman Realty, the Golfie team. Find them on the World Wide Web That's robgolfie.com. That's icom Call the number one REMAX team in Canada, the Golfie team, 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. And you can follow the Golfie team on tiktok instagram twitter and facebook and also you can go online to golfyhomevalue.com for an instant home estimate again that website is golfyhomevalue.com plug in some digits and find out what your home could sell for on the open market so rob you have a story about a flooded basement and a a pretty sad one at that
1: yeah so um and and it's hard to gauge you know we had a lot of rain this past spring like it rained uh, what there was a time period it rained for like almost 10 days straight and we, we sold this property and, um, you know, the, the the house is beautiful. It was a bungalow, um, you know, finished basement and everything. And, um, you know, we went in and said, Hey, yeah, this is good. And everything's all good. I mean, and the basement was nicely finished and it was finished years prior. So anyway, the closing date was, I can't remember what the closing date was. Let's say a month, a couple months ago. And uh, then uh, the rain came and, the, and it flooded the basement. Now, these people are going to sue the, the previous owners. Uh, I think they're looking for 17000 and not that much. I think they want to try to do it in small claims court. So they're suing because they felt that they knew that there was an issue. And and there was one room in the basement that wasn't finished. And, and actually the owners asked us, and I was there and I saw, I, I was there. They said, hey, should we finish this one room? I said, no, there's no sense. You'll still get the same price on your house. You don't need to finish the, you know, this other room in the basement. It's fine. Uh, you're okay. And uh, you, no issues. So we, uh, we they, they called us, and then I think about a month or two later, they put it up for sale. And uh, we put it up for sale. We sell it fairly quick uh, in the spring market. And the closing date, was um, it, uh, just prior to the big heavy rain that we got, just prior. Mm-hmm. And they ended up getting uh, water in their basement. And I, I, I guess it's a lot of water. And, and, and now they're saying that that room that wasn't finished is because they knew that uh, there was an issue, which mm-hmm. is not the case. I'm the one that said, don't finish it because you know, it, it wouldn't change the price of the house. And so we, we call that a latent defect. So no matter what, these people could have closed two weeks later. uh, And that problem would have happened with the current owners of the house. And it happens all the time. You have no idea where there's uh, a closing date and something happens after that. And a lot of times we have it uh, where there's a closing date and things happen prior to the closing date. And the sellers, they got to rectify and fix whatever problems they have. So that happens a lot also. So either way, it's just... The closing date is the closing date. Nobody can predict what's going to happen to a house. And uh, so I, I, I brought up an article that happened that somebody uh, tried to sue for $400,000. This was in a, like a real estate magazine that uh, most realtors get. And uh, there were structural issues in the foundation. And on this article, uh, the judge uh, ruled that the homeowners did not have any idea how bad or if, they're, if they're, the structural was in the basement, they did fix some things that happened, but they didn't, they had no idea that the basement was pretty messed up structurally. So, oh, after whatever trial they went through, the judge did not award the buyers, uh, the $400,000 that they were asking for because the homeowners did not know they had major structural issues in their basement and in their foundation. So the same thing is going to happen here and you know and lawyers are all interested a lot of the times especially litigation lawyers uh, in 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 fees and in in taking the court. Now, I, I feel like sending this article to the other people say listen, they had there was no issues before. They would not have finished the basement the way it looked. This basement was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. If they knew that they were going to have issues with water and if they did have issues with water, they would not have done it. So they they're trying to um, I guess and, and the sellers are the sellers of the house are, are so upset and, and the stress of them having to go through this. and I said, don't worry. I said, it, it's just you know maybe something happened. it's just it's just bad luck for them. It could have been bad luck for the sellers, but it, it, it isn't. but just to give you an idea what latent defects. now latent defects refers to a hidden Or concealed faults or issues in a property that are not immediately apparent upon inspection or observation. So they did have an an inspector go through the house. Obviously, he says this: this house is solid. There's no issues, and there was probably no issues of 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 water in the past. Now, the defects are not easily detectable by ordinary means and may not be discovered until after the purchase or occupancy of the property. Link defects cannot include uh, uh, defects can include. Uh, structural problems, electrical or plumbing issues, mold, termites, infestation, and any other significant problems that affect the value of the property. Now, uh, the term latent implies that these defects are not obvious, already noticeable, requiring specialized expertise for further investigation to identify them. So that's latent defects. That means that, hey, we couldn't see this, it didn't happen. Now, patent defects, patent defects, refers to a visible or easily noticeable faults or issues in a property, uh, that has to, uh, that can be observed during a regular inspection or through basic observation. These defects are apparent and do not require specialized expertise to identify. Examples of patent defects can include cracks in the walls, broken windows, leaking pipes, or damaged flooring, unlike latent defects, uh, which are hidden or concealed. So, Patent defects. Uh, like you know, you, you you walk through the house. You know the windows are are old. You know you got to replace them. The shingles, you can tell the shingles. You can tell if the furnace is old. You got to replace the furnace. Those are patent defects. So th- what happens is this: something happened here, and I and I've been a victim of of, of what the heavy water that we had. Like we've had leaks uh, in a couple of, uh, of of properties that I had. So I mean that's something. That happened because of the excessive water that we had. Now, and so it's just it's it's hard, and I feel bad for the buyers, and I and 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 I feel bad for the sellers because they they're going through this thing that they it, it, they did not know of, and and they're being accused of knowing it. And the buyers, I feel, because they have to pay for this. And it's it's a it,
2: it, this is part of the business
1: we have to deal with, and we just gotta you know go through it and 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 deal with it. Uh, whatever, which way it lands.
2: Well, even with the the home inspection, that would have really solidified whether this was a latent or a patent defect. Because I would assume if the home inspector didn't see it, then no one would have seen it.
1: Exactly. You, you don't know. You can't. You don't know what happens behind the walls. I had an issue. Uh, this is years ago. We're we're talking probably fifteen twenty years ago, where uh, I sold a house and there was mold behind the walls, finished in the basement. Hmm. Now. Our, our sellers did not know that. They ended up getting a lawsuit, and they sued – actually, the, you know, they sued the, the home inspector because he did not detect it. But, it, I mean, he doesn't know what's going, going on behind the walls. Yeah. And th- does he have the machine or the equipment that detects mold? So when they ripped uh, and gutted the basement to, to redo the basement, they found mold in the basement behind the walls well the sellers had no clue they lived with it like i mean you know like they could have been sick they could have you know from it but they did not know about it and so uh they had to go through all this and they were i think they were uh, suing everybody like what happens <laughs> is they sue everybody i i can't remember what the outcome of that was but i don't think they ended up getting uh that much money because of the situation because it 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 was a uh a latent defect it was a, it was something that nobody knew about
2: Interesting stuff. All right, let's move on to what is a really interesting scenario in Hamilton, Burlington, and Grimsby. And it's been identified, or at least pointed out, in a new report called Who Will Swing the Hammer? It's from the Smart Property Institute, Prosperity Institute, uh, with support from the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce and the West End Home Builders Association. And it really points to. Um, a failure by uh, whether it's levels of government or just the community as a whole in terms of making Hamilton and, and Burlington and Grimsby a little more affordable in terms of the uh, the different housing options, family-friendly housing options that are needed to attract and retain experienced workers, uh, healthcare workers, education workers, just to make this city uh, much more enjoyable for all. And, and it and it says that, you know, Hamilton's population is aging, so we need to do more to ensure there are enough housing choices for both millennials and Generation Z, or Generation Z, however you want to say it. Rob, your thoughts on this report and and how we are doing in terms of housing choices for millennials and Gen Z?
1: So right now, there is a shortage of homes, which is going to drive the prices up. So what's, what's, what's happening is, there is a transition happening in the market, and it's happening everywhere now. Hamilton, we're getting people moving in, but we're also getting people moving out. So people are moving out towards Niagara or Brantford, and uh, and then and uh, that are living in in Hamilton, and but we are getting GTA people moving towards Hamilton also. But a lot of it, but a lot of it, what's happening is a lot of uh, single people or or couples are moving in. But as they find that uh, they want to start having a family, uh, it's becoming a little tougher to afford housing and, uh, and, and cost of living and they're moving away. So that's an exodus. So, you know, you got uh, uh, Calgary, you know, offering, Hey, move to Calgary and this is what we have to offer. Mm -hmm. So uh, that marketing is, is helping Calgary because a lot of people are moving out that way. but, but, Yes, they have to do something about the housing uh, in Hamilton. It is getting expensive. And uh, and it, it, they just have to make it easier to uh, build houses for builders, make it cheaper. I mean, they've got, a, a, you know, for a builder to build a home, it, it's expensive. The, the levies and the cost to, for each house to build uh, is expensive. And that cost goes transfers down to the consumer that's buying the house. And and right now the cost to build a house is very expensive and builders aren't building that many right now. They're kind of like holding back and sitting around and hovering and seeing what's gonna happen in the marketplace. So every month, every year that we're not building houses, we're building, a, it's like a a constipation of an explosion that's gonna happen in, in years to come because we don't have enough housing. Now we know there's a lot of people coming into this country Uh, I think 1.5 million in the next, uh, two years, three years. And, uh, where are they going to live? I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be tough and, and Hamilton was, and it, it it is still a little bit an affordable town city to move to, but it, it is getting tougher and people are realizing it. And that's why they came up with this, uh, this program.
2: Well, and even with, you know, the fact that many people can work, more people can work from home these days as, as opposed to ever before, they're looking at more affordable options in places like Branford or or perhaps even London, as, as one of the people in this uh, news report indicated. And so if, if they're able to work from home, they're, of course, going to look for the cheapest place to live because they don't have to commute, they don't have to travel into work. And And Hamilton really has to step up in that regard. Oh, absolutely and and, and they and that's why people are moving
1: like they're moving across the country you could literally uh, have a play, a job in Hamilton or Toronto and move to Vancouver uh, it depends up if you need to have the same time zone but if you don't need the same time zone then you could literally move anywhere in Ontario or, 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 or the US if, if, if that's what it takes and I know there's people that actually are Canadians and, and they have uh, dual citizenship us they work in the US but they but their job is in in Canada and uh, so a lot of people are working out of their houses and as generation Z is coming up the pipeline and getting jobs they don't want to work at the office place they want to work in in their homes and 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 my generation prefers them working at the office because you know we're just that's just the way it is so it's going to take a 10 to 15 year
2: a transition of before everybody's working out of their house and nobody needs any office space. <laughs> and here <laughs> you are renting office space in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes. I want to ask you about where you think prices are heading because we heard from the Canadian Real Estate Association on Monday that said nationally home sales jumped by 11% between March and April and the average price of a home in April was seven hundred sixteen thousand dollars, up nearly a hundred K in three months. And then you have RBC saying that spring twenty twenty three increasingly looks like the turnaround point for Canada's housing market after a year-long slump and is predicting that sellers are back in the driver's seats. What do you glean from these two reports and where do you think the market is heading?
1: Yeah, it it's the market is, is doing really well. Uh, the sellers are getting back in a driver's seat. If you price your house right, you will either get that full price or more based on what the market is doing. And and it has gone up. Like we hit rock bottom December of last year. That was the best time. If you were looking for a house, if, if the inventory was there, that was the best time to buy a house because you could actually bought something and made $100,000 in three months. Crazy, crazy to think about that. In, in, this, in these times, the way the market has gone and with the interest rates that you could do that, but it is true. Um, it's, yeah, like I, I think it's gonna be continuous and I do, I still stand behind. In 2026, we're gonna have uh, uh, an explosion. We're gonna have a, 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 a real estate uh, values going up and we're gonna have the same thing in 2027 like we did in 2022. In the first quarter, you're gonna see housing prices jump so far high that it's going it, to, it's going to be like, what, what happened? And then it's going to resettle itself and it'll take eight, nine months to uh, swing back and adjust itself. And then we'll be going back up again. That was like our our real estate recession was nine months from April, uh, the end of April to December of last year.
2: Mm-hmm. And we are back. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about an interesting new pilot program here in Hamilton that might help a lot of renters Become homeowners. That's next on the Gulfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900
0: CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
2: This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfie, sales representative, REMAX Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Call the number one REMAX team in Canada. That's the Golfie team, 905-575-7700. If you want to sell your house or you are in the market to buy a home, call the number one REMAX team in Canada, the Golfie team, at 905-575-7700. Online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob G olfi.com follow the golfy team on tiktok facebook instagram and twitter as well well really interesting pilot program in hamilton is going to be launched it's uh, going to be done by the kiwanis homes in partnership with the hamilton community foundation and the city of hamilton and it's it's basically a shared appreciation mortgage pool of about three million dollars that will help renters qualify for a first mortgage so they're turning renters into homeowners which is great so they're going to start off with three million dollars uh which will subsidize the purchase of about 20 units uh rob what do you think of this idea no i i think it's fantastic and i I, and i'm
1: trying to figure out if it's the same program they had years ago where uh they would literally lend the down payment to uh the renter they had to they have to be renting in hamilton And give them that uh, money. And then I think it was 20 years later, uh, they would pay. If they, if they sold the house before 20 years of ownership, they would, that money would be paid back. I I don't, I don't think there was interest on that. Mm -hmm. So they would, that money would go back to the, to the city or the government and they would get that back. Now, if they stayed there for over 20 years, they would get to keep that down payment and they built equity. Now, this is kind of uh, a similar, uh, similar, but different. Uh, that they're offering. and and it's and it's kind of like a pool that they're doing together with with the amount of money that they're doing. And again, it's a twenty five year uh, project where uh, if they I think sell the property prior to twenty five years, um, there is uh, I think uh, they owe, they would owe a certain amount of money back on top of whatever they were helped with. Um, there is a lot of people out there qualified. like there's a lot of renters out there qualified to buy a house, but uh, it's just sometimes maybe they don't have enough down payment. Mm-hmm. They don't have uh, the right means. It's just a lot of people are scared uh, to do it. So, so at least they got somebody that's holding their hand along the way on doing this. And 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 it's a good program. Uh, and I think it, you know it, it'll open up twenty new apartments or houses to rent out. And and now we got some. We got twenty people that have home ownership, and they're hoping to continuously do this. Now, I mean, obviously there's. Uh, I mean, I didn't realize they had 200 – is it 200 units in Hamilton that are – Operated by Kalonis,
2: yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they've got a lot of properties out there that they can do this with.
2: The only thing I wondered about, and this is a question, Mark, that I'd love to get clarification on. So this program would cover up to 40% of a down payment and help tenants qualify for that first mortgage, which is, which is awesome. And they don't have to pay that money back for 25 years. But the issue is, if you're taking away rental units from the city does that not compound the situation that we have right now with supply and demand and how rental rates are so high, or is that kind of not on the table at all?
1: Well, it, it balances out because it's like you're taking 20 renters and 20 houses that they have. And it's just kind of like they're staying. either they're, they're buying the house that they're in or buying a different one. But yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's tough. The The key thing is it's hard to get affordable housing. As soon as the first person moves in, and if it is affordable, after those people move out, that's when it doesn't become affordable yeah. because those people want to sell it for a high price. So even if they're trying to build like these affordable condos or units down at, at the pier, down at the, the end of uh, James and Bay, Bay street, like down there um, they're looking at building. Now they're going to build affordable units, but once those people move in, they can live there for a year and sell it for a high price after. I mean, I don't know what the uh, legal uh, ramifications they have on buying and selling, especially if it's at a, at a affordable discounted price, but that affordable housing doesn't last affordable forever. It just, it lasts affordable for the first time buyer. And after that, it's it becomes expensive.
2: Absolutely. Hey, let's get to the uh, listener question that came in. And you can email the Golfie team with a question you have and you would like Rob to answer. Questions at robgolfie.com is the email address. Again, that's questions at robgolfie.com. We've got about a minute for you to answer this. The question is, I'm selling my home and my real estate agent will be taking a vacation soon. Should I be concerned?
1: In most cases, no, because most good realtors have somebody help them taking care of the business. And most good realtors are still in touch with their clients when it comes to dealing with their house. Now, if somebody wanted to see it and visit the house or, or anything like that, they do have somebody that that works with them to make sure they they're covered. Now we do get the odd call from uh, a client that says, Mike, my agent's on vacation and they're not around. And I'm like, well, you know, like, I, I don't know what to tell them. I said, we could show it to you, but we're going to have you sign a a, a, a buyer agreement. Um, those incidents don't happen often, but there are agents that do not have uh, people behind them. And that's a good question to ask when a realtor, uh, when they're hiring a realtor, hey, if you're away, are you going to be, is, is somebody going to be able to still take care of my listing? Because I don't want to miss any opportunities, any buyers, Looking
2: at buying my house or, 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 you know, uh, in, in selling it at that time. Interesting scenario. Also of interest is diverse housing options, and apparently more and more Canadians are looking for this. We'll talk about it next year on the Golfy Real Estate
0: Show Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. And
2: last go around here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900CHML. My name's Rick Samprin, uh, with Rob Golfie, sales representative, REMAX Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Find them on the World Wide Web. RobGolfie.com is the website. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call the number one REMAX team in Canada. That's the Golfie team, 905-575-7700, 905-575-7700. And you can also follow the Golfie team on TikTok, talk, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I want to talk about diverse housing options because there seems to be a missing middle, not only here in Hamilton, but uh, in in many communities across the country. You either have single detached homes primarily, or you have condo units in in a lot of um, communities like Toronto for existence. You'll have all those high rise condo um, buildings downtown and you have a lot of single detached homes, but there's not a lot of Townhouses. There's not a lot of semi-detached, or at least not as many as perhaps there should be. How do you think Hamilton is doing in this regard? Hamilton, Burlington, and Niagara. How how are we doing in offering a diverse housing mix?
1: I I think they are, but they're pushing so much to be heavy concentration in the downtown core. Or you know, you've got downtown uh, Hamilton, and uh, they're building a lot of condos there. You got. Uh, Stony Creek on the north side of the uh, Queen Elizabeth Way uh, in Winona area and uh, Grimsby, they're building you know little communities of condos there, and then Burlington they've got a lot of uh, projects that are happening in the downtown core. They're trying to condense and get keep people in 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 the heavy concentrated areas, and not everybody wants that, and uh, some people maybe like a lot, I know a lot of retirees, they, you know, may not want to be in a condo building. They may want to maybe start on a, in a townhouse with, you know, it doesn't have much work to do in the backyard. It's just a small little, you know, backyard patio and that's it. They don't have to worry about cutting grass. And if they do, it's just, you know, a couple of uh, patches of it. But, um, but more and more people are being more open to, uh, especially in the Hamilton area of, of finding a, uh, okaying the idea of that, you know what, they need to do development because we need more housing, because people, there's a shortage of it. So uh, that is opening up more that way. But uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, it, it is changing uh, uh, the dynamics. People are starting to realize we need more.
2: Do you think developers want to build more mid-rise, mid-density homes? Or they uh, when they're looking at return on investment, they're looking at those single family detached kind of homes? They, you know what,
1: the mid, the mid rise, high rises, they make more money. And especially if they get the more floors in, the more money they make. Hmm. The difference between like a, a, a 20 floor building to 25 floors, it could be millions of dollars more in, in the, in the, in the developer or builder's pocket. So that's why they always try to shoot for the highest amount of floors as possible. And, and hopefully they, they get what they want. And, uh, and they, and that's how they make their money. Now, a lot of them are. It's it's funny though. It seems like there's more problems when you're dealing with uh, building single detached homes or townhouses because it's there. They're, you know, there's a lot more involved in building that in uh, separately than there is in building a, a high-rise condo because you know you got the same people in there. I, I don't know. It just I know that more of them are going towards high-rise, mid-rise than they are going into building subdivisions with single family uh, detached and and townhouses. It seems like the high rise is where the big money's at.
2: Got a couple of minutes and we'll end with uh, immigration in Canada. We know the federal government is uh, planning to bring in a half a million people per year over the next uh, three years or so. Uh, which is making housing affordability even worse because, well, we already have a supply and demand issue. If you're bringing in one and a half million people over the next three years, that's going to make that issue even worse. And we're not building enough homes to begin with. Uh, How do you see this playing out? That's where we're going to have our real estate boom in 2026 and
1: 27. That's what's going to cause our our, uh, issue in housing prices. They're just going to keep going up. Um, I think maybe, uh, they should put a little bit of a hold on that and let us catch up to the housing situation and then maybe start bringing them back in. But they're, they're continuously bringing people into the country and, and, and I get it. I, I get it. Uh, there's a lot of people that are here and they want their relatives to come and they don't want them to wait. So it's a tough situation right now in Niagara Falls. There's a hotel, more than one hotel, but there's hotels filled with refugees, they have no place to put them. Hmm. Eventually, these people will be living in a house. So either they're renting, eventually they'll end up buying. And this is that's what's going to cause the real estate boom in the next two to five years.
2: And it's not like the government can say, "Hey, you have to live in place X." Like they're they're going to go where they want to go.
1: Absolutely, for sure.
2: Yeah, it's not. Uh, it, it, as you said, the the house prices are going to continue to escalate because more people are. In the pool of home buyers and there's not enough homes to, uh, to attract all these individuals. That's, that's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting process for sure. Uh, You can listen to our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for The Golfy Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Uh, Thanks again to Rob for another fantastic show, and thank you for listening to The Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition. We are back next Saturday at 9 on 900 CHML.
0: The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.